Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with Skylar Sarkis about Warren Zevon's 2000 album, Life Will Kill You. We're both huge fans of Zevon, so this talk really brushes on his whole career while mainly focusing on this specific album. Zevon was a complicated person, to say the least, who had a lot of demons, and a lot of that is mentioned in his book written by Crystal Zevon, his wife, and also by Carl Hyacin. I highly recommend it. It's called I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. Just to note, we did have a bit of technical difficulties with this episode, so we edited around it most of it and did our best. Every once in a while, you know, this kind of thing happens, so always record backups and backups to that backup, which we did, but shit happens. Okay, so Skylar Sarkis plays in Taking Meds, has a project called Growing Stone, also plays in Who Decides and Highway Sniper, so you'll hear plenty of his music this year, always something coming out. There is a new Taking Meds album coming out this year, I've heard it, and it sounds amazing, so without any further ado, let's talk to Skylar. Hey, Skylar, how's it going? Good, man. I am uh, sorry that I kept changing up the schedule on you. I, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad we got to do this tonight. Yeah, I was it. Uh, we were scheduled for seven. You said you would have to change it to another day this week, and then we're basically doing it at the same time. We essentially scheduled it to be. Yes. I got John. John asked me if I could come into the studio earlier, like a day earlier, aka today. And I was like, okay, sure, because we we're trying to meet a a deadline for a cover comp. And uh, then we ended up finishing really fast, which never happens. So, (laughs) yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, yeah. So I guess you really wanted to talk about uh, Warren Zevon's 2000 album, Life Will Kill You. Yes. Um, so that is his 10th album, and Rolling Stone hailed it as his best work since Excitable Boy. Um, so now that I have those things out of the way, when was the first time you ever heard either this record or Mr. Zevon at all? <clears throat> My experience with him was, like we were just talking about before, his two biggest songs on uh, Spotify are Werewolves of London, obviously, and then Lawyers, Guns, and Money. And I've known those songs from classic rock radio since I was a little kid. Um, yeah. But I got into Zevon in my 20s, like through this album, actually, which is why I wanted to talk about it. Um, and now I've I'm I've become such a fan that I have listened to pretty much all of his records definitely everything through the 70s and 80s and i have to say i I think i agree with rolling stone yeah much as i may hate to say that yeah i i think when you told me that this was the one you want to listen to 
and first thought I was like, oh, that's one of the bad ones. No, yeah, it's it's a fantastic record. I mean, it's like <laughs> and, I feel like it's pretty hard to dis- to dispute, you know. Yeah, uh, but when I kind of like, uh, well, okay, so I guess I'll back up and kind of explain like how I got into them. Um, so I used to just like sweep the floor at like this alternator shop to just like buy a BMX bike when, when you were like, a kid, thirteen or when I was a kid. <laughs> So that was my first uh, under the table job. Um, yeah. So they would just listen to like whatever. Illegal. They were just child labor. Yeah, just child labor, and the guys there would listen to whatever. There was this guy that this uh, machinist guy that worked at the shop like across the street. Um, he would just bring different tapes over, so it'd be like other country things, or but every once in a while he'd bring things like I don't know, just stuff like this, like traffic, Warren Zevon, or you know really anything and then it was the song rolling the ted headless thompson gunner mm-hmm. that when i heard it i was like i want to borrow this tape and i will not give it back and just basically listen to that song over and over which was a little harder on a tape so you just rewind it back to it and i just listened to it non-stop the story um, behind that song is so great yeah <laughs> well we both read we both read the book right mm-hmm. it's been a minute but same here. Um, but I but one of the parts that stuck out to me is when he goes to Spain and like lives there and he just kind of he's just kind of fucking off in Spain and he, he meets that guy who I think I think worked as a um a mercenary in Africa, yeah. right? And and they wrote that song together. Yeah. That's something I that's we'll get into it probably, but something I love about him. I love everything I sent, almost everything I sent you as ideas to talk about was stuff. Lyrics are really important to me and it's like a certain style of, of lyricism that I, that I like. And he's, that's why I love him so much, but I, Mm -hmm. it's so cool that he, uh, he co-writes songs with like authors that he likes and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but anyway, Yeah, I remember when I was reading that that part of the book where he's in Spain with like his girlfriend, and he was such a like loose like he was such an aimless like wanderer, you know. And it like yeah, it, obviously totally different time, but like it gave me anxiety to read about it because I was like, "What are <laughs> you doing, man? You're wasting time." <laughs> yeah, even though you know it it sort of sort of worked out for him you know what i mean it's like yeah somewhat um yeah i mean more than i guess any of us or any of our peers but um he's still it's weird with his story it's like is he really as it's almost like did he fuck his career up or is that exactly where he needs to be like it's a weird thing because like he had like because of other artists, uh, Linda Ronstadt, like Carmelita and other people covering his songs, like by that metric, like a success. But I, I also, to kind of contradict myself, I don't come across a lot of people that are Warren's Yvonne fans. Yeah. Um, neither do I, uh, I guess it's hard to say because like I've, I'm in my thirties now and I've curated my friend group to a point where a lot of my friends are Warren Zevon fans, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, you don't, it's kind of the, it's kind of something I'll bring up like 
if I'm talking to like a, an older, older mm-hmm. guy who seems to get it, like, you know, outside, probably outside of the music world, you know, maybe they were listening to Warren Zevon records in the seventies or whatever. Um, yeah, but I don't, I mean, I think his, again, we, like we said, it's a different time. It was a different time and, you know, you were able to, I think even when you were, it's impossible to make money in music now. Right. And he could, at, yeah. at that time you could, you could write a hit song and sell it and it, the business just worked differently. But, um, yeah, I think he didn't, he doesn't have this like mammoth career where he's like a rock and roll institution or something. He's, yeah. he's a weird, he's a weirdo. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he always, like, throughout the book or throughout even like his own songs, like even if you're, well, the book kind of paints the way like you wrote Excitable Boy, which we, I mean, we're, I'm mentioning songs that aren't even on this record that we're talking about. I yeah, feel like yeah. that's a pretty well known one. Um, yeah, and that's it's essentially like based. The record. Yeah. The first two are yeah. like the records, right? Yeah. And it's, pretty much like based on something in a way i mean it goes extreme but it's like based on something he actually did like in the sense of like the the lyrics like poured pot roast all over his chest is just something he did right so it's like in some way almost like towns van zant it's like he had to live the stories he wanted to tell totally yeah which is probably a lot of work honestly (laughs) (laughs) It's uh it's it's really inspiring because it wasn't he wasn't he turned it into he spun it into something, you know, something mm-hmm. positive. He spun it into money and he spun it into a song that millions of people listen to now. Um, cuz obviously he wasn't he wasn't doing work at the time. He was he was being what most people would consider useless to society, you know? So I think, I think as much as, uh, I don't, I wouldn't advocate for living out your songs, especially if they're about, um, things that are that like painful or antisocial or whatever. It's like, you know, I always like to hear, I always like to hear stuff like that. I always like to hear, yeah. like, uh, yeah, semi-autobiographical or con- confessional songs that are just like, ooh, that's ugly. Yeah. It's like I love it from a distance, but I know that I would never, like, put myself through that. And then also when I see people in modern times kind of putting, like, kind of mimicking what they sing about, it feels really cringe. But for some reason of this era, <laughs> it feels like what you had to do. Yeah, I think there's like a difference between um, glorification and just like being like, I need to talk about this. Like, like this is going to come out of my creative impulse because I need to express it because um, I have guilt surrounding it or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, it's like. I don't know. Like you, you don't. It, 
the the lesson is kind of like contained in just honestly telling the thing. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah. have to like you don't have to like put too much effort into like having a lesson come across and it's not glorification if you're just being honest. In fact, glorification generally is dishonest, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that one of the things I feel like and I'm not going to say I've I've employed it to great success, which I have not, but uh, being that like one of the f- first writers I liked was like Kurt Vonnegut and like basically when I was in middle school it was like we had to write a book report and I just pulled it felt like I just pulled a book out and it was Breakfast of Champions and there was like a, a butthole dr- drawn in it and so I was like this is my new favorite author uh, <laughs> and it felt the same way with like Warren Zevon and it's like like it just like it just came to me like and the thing that I feel like they both taught me as writers is though that they have definitely a way that they can spend things with humor attached to it, but you also f- feel like their writing doesn't have like a lot of frills. Like there's always a turn of phrase that feels like you, you kind of earn it, but it also doesn't feel like, I don't know, all I can think of is like, uh, shit, what's his name? Uh, and any writer that kind of you feel like you're, on this like big journey and run on sentence or, or with music, it's sort of like, there's a lot of words you said, but what are you actually saying? Right. Right. Yeah. I, I wanted, I, that was really well said. I I wanted to talk about that specifically. It, It doesn't feel like he sat there with a, with a thesaurus at all, you know, or like, yes, like exactly. It's, it's very, very plain, colloquial language and the lyrics are phenomenal and there's nothing there that doesn't need to be there there's no filler lines um and yeah he has punchlines, man he ha- he makes these like huge he these huge like it's almost like caustic wit you know and like mm-hmm. or these huge like payoff jokes you know in the songs or like there's one other song I wanted to talk about that's before we get into the actual album that's not on Life <laughs> yeah. Kill You is Play It All Night Long. I think is like it's one of the most moving songs I've ever heard. I like I love that song. I love I love it on a level that I don't want to try to express right now because I feel like I'll come off sounding corny, but it's yeah. Every line in that song is like, oh my God. Like, it's so yeah. bleak, but it's so real at the same time. It's. I definitely feel like we'll probably be like gushing a lot. And I'm trying to like stop myself from not doing it because it could, we could just start like weeping. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, in a way. Like, I think I, sometimes I feel like I have to kind of like, like, I felt like I had to stop telling people I was a Warren Zevon fan, like, because it probably got annoying. But I also feel like I'm always introducing people to him for the first time. But, like you were saying with Play It All Night Long, but when I think about, like, uh, Desperados Under the Eaves, like... Yeah, it's another great when, song. <laughs> when the part, like, when he just starts, like, humming the uh, sound of the air conditioner and then the line of... Um, like if the California hotel slides into the ocean. Yeah. Dude, it's um, so fucking uh, Oh yeah, if California slides into the ocean like the mystics and statistics say it will, I predict this motel will be standing until I pay my bill. 
fuck out of here, dude. That's like that's a that's wild unbelievable. Line. Yeah, I have goosebumps yeah. now. Like it's so fucking good. He's so fucking yeah. good. I love him. Yeah, I, I like. That's why like I sent you three records that were not Warren Zevon, and then I think. Did you post a Zevon song or something? Somehow I remembered that you like Warren Zevon or found out, and I was like, "Wait, dude, we should we should talk about Warren." Because I feel like you kind of told me randomly, but I it's I mean I feel like on a weekly basis I might be posting a Warren Zevon song. But yeah, I post life or I post uh, play it all night long at least every like two months, and 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 then write something really. Uh, sanctimonious about like if, if you don't like it you're an idiot or something <laughs> it's the best song yeah. in the world <laughs> yeah i remember i guess uh, kind of backtracking to um so uh, around the time that i had like that tape like i would just play that and then eventually like a few years later um when i was in college like it was like I was telling someone I worked with and it was like, I worked at a hospital and there was this guy that was like, I don't know, 60 or fifties. I don't know. Uh, he had like that, you know, there's like a haircut that people get when they get past like 50 something where it almost feels like that's the hair I'll wear today. And it's like, they don't cut the back of it, but it, it, it really starts looking like a wig, but it's just something like people yo, in their fifties do. And it's like yo, ex rocker dudes kind of do it. Yo, my, my father has that haircut. I'm not kidding. <laughs> you, you just described his hair. It just, it just happens. I don't know what it is. It's just like they seem to have a full head of hair. It looks so fine. It looks fine. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not roasting him, but you just des- definitely just described his haircut. And I don't think he. I. I don't fucking know. But I'm assuming the bar. I think barbers are just like yeah. This yeah. You need this. Yeah, they don't tell him to like taper anything. No, you know, it's just <laughs> it's like just a trim. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like, I'll leave the little flap on for you. Um, I mean, I guess Warren Zevon kind of had that haircut near the end, but, it, you know, he was hanging on to some of his hair a little bit. So he, I feel like he has a little bit more of an excuse. Right. Um, but so this guy um, was like, oh, you like Warren Zevon, and then made me a Greatest Hits, which was essentially the Greatest Hits, but he also gave me another CD. So then it sort of like just rekindled it, and then I just listened to like everything nonstop for, well, till now. So, however many, you know, more than ten years later, um, still on repeat all the time. Yeah. So had you heard this album? Like, did, were you like, oh, this is one of the bad ones, and then you looked at it and you were like, oh wait, that's one of the good ones? Or had you not like really listened to this record? I get it mixed up with um, my rides here. Maybe that, but also I think Renegade is the name of the record. Isn't that a live record? Um, there's one that. Um, let me see. I'm I feel you though. I've one. tried to listen to like some of his other later stuff. Well, there's the Wind. Yeah, which I actually like. I mean, it's it's got just that thing. A lot, a lot of pe- people that make albums right before they die, those ones always like hit me. The Leonard uh, Cohen, the Leonard Cohen record is so fucking good. I think. Yeah, I have, I have it's friends really that good. don't agree, but I think it hits so hard. I think it's literally him saying goodbye perfectly. And it's it's funny because like, <clears throat> this is my last. This is my favorite. Um, like of his later material, and mm-hmm. I I think I in my head I was like, yeah, I'm gonna come on and and be like, you know, this is really like his 
his like before I die record, even though he did two more after it. But it's like, it's kind of funny because like he didn't know when he was going to die, right? He was sick yeah. and he didn't know when he was going to die. So his life will kill you, which is like kind of suggestive. And then yeah, my ride's here, which is like very suggestive. Yeah. And then, and then <laughs> manages to also do the wind before he does pass away. Um, but I think, you know, there's probably, I don't like my, my rides here as much, but there's probably more death themes on, on that record. Um, th- and th- I like this record cause it seems more like looking back, he's like looking back on his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the, the album real quick, it's not Renegade, it's Mutineer and that's, the one that came out in 95. Yeah, that's the one he wrote with Ka- Carl Hyacin. Yeah. Okay, he wrote two tracks with Carl Hyacin, not the whole record. So the thing is, like, I kind of figured me and you were just going to talk about Warren Zevon because he has yeah. so many really great songs that aren't on this record that are really important mm-hmm. to me and, and to you, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, I... So actually my, my really good friend, Ella, um, she plays in this band lady pills and we used to cross paths a lot more than, than we do now. Cause I think, I don't know. I think we're just in like different, different music scenes or something, but she's just turned me on to so much good music. And I remember one time, you know, like six years ago or something, she was like, do you like Warren Zevon? And I was like, yeah, I like him. I, I really like Excitable Boy. I think maybe I had like got started to get back into Excitable Boy because I saw like Tim Heidecker's What's in My Bag. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. He's like super into 70s rock, like singer yeah, songwriter. Yeah. Like he loves, uh, yes, he loves Randy Newman. Um, and he had. I don't remember which record, but he had some Warren Zevon record. But that that brought me back to Excitable Boy. But she sent me Don't Let Us Get Sick, like Mm -hmm. just as a link, Spotify link or YouTube link or something. And um, if if you know my kind of music taste outside of punk, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much a song that you you know I'm gonna like. Um, Yeah, it's a beautiful song and definitely kind of representative of what I was saying about this record where he's, he's, he, it's clear that he's like thinking about this cause he knows he's going to die, but Mm -hmm. he's, it's, it's kind of a, I don't know. It just sounds like a grandfather, like talking to his grandchildren. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's about life, you know? Yeah, it's like you were saying, kind of the idea that, <laughs> like, growing up, I, or when I knew something about, I guess, the Wikipedia of his life, or even before I read the book, um, it's almost like I thought he had cancer for a long time. Because if you look at the albums that he wrote, just, and you basically said this, but it's Life Will Kill You, <laughs> My Ride's Here, The Wind. So it's like, I thought it was like essentially a battle he played for a long time. Um, but it's like you were saying, like it's these two records. And then right after uh, my rides here, a little bit after it was like, oh, you have mesothelioma. 
and then he died a year later. Right. So do you know he relapsed when when he found out he was sick? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> he he broke. I don't know how many years of sobriety, but I, I think he just said fuck it. Yeah. Which is there's no uh, real purpose in me telling you that I or saying that I just yeah it's just heavy you know what I mean like yeah um I don't know if uh yeah there's so much to talk about with him and and I feel like every time I go on a podcast I start talking about sobriety but like obviously another thing that endears me to him is that he Mm -hmm. had you know kind of this huge yeah he was like this crazy alcoholic and then like basically threw his career completely off the rails with his drinking and and then got sober and continued to make music some of it i guess wasn't as as good like we talked about like we don't we weren't feeling mutant here but i i know he made life will kill you when he was sober and that's another reason that that i like yeah you know yeah and there's good stuff like throughout the run like it's just you know it's just not as strong of like full albums it's not f- like, exactly exactly yeah like sentimental hygiene has some tracks oh yeah dude that. um like detox mountain is an amazing song and it's the envoy has some tracks too yeah and um i don't remember liking a lot of like uh transverse city and hindu love songs um, yeah that's what I'm saying. I, I kind of, I kind of lose the plot with him in the '90s. I like some learning to flinch stuff, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, dude, yeah, he. I think he got sober in '84, but like, he just had this like, this like humorous like, like I want to call it nihilism because it's like it's like this life affirming nihilism. <laughs> somehow yeah. you know what i mean like the way the the way that he talks about stuff and yeah i mean what's what's always interesting though um is that the, i think the album that all of us tend to say is his first album isn't his first album uh, oh he it's has, not yeah he has one in 1969 oh the uh, wanted dead or alive yeah and it didn't i it just didn't do that well and then I think then uh, self-titled is 74 or 75. Right. Yeah. So it's, yeah, that length of time, which would be a really big length of time at that point musically because people actually got money to make records and could, you know, rent houses and all of those things, those budgets and everything that we know. Um, so that, that's a pretty big, you know, gap for someone like him. But really, for the most part, when someone says first album, they're, Referring to that self-titled, yeah, the self, the self-titled from the nine seventy-six, yeah. Um, so I, I think like actually going back to something you mentioned, uh, and I, I didn't want to like skim past it, but it, it there's been different like trips that I've been on with, uh, I guess throughout being a fan, that it does affirm my sobriety too. Like you know, I, I don't feel like I had like that wild of a ride um with becoming sober but what basically when i stopped drinking at 20 it was essentially because my brother is like two years older than me and essentially everything that i was going to become he had had already done those things 
So we already had like two DUIs and like, you know, in like warrants and stuff against him. Um, so it was kind of like, oh, I can see my own future, you know? (laughs) So, uh, but you know, just to kind of like bring back the like sobriety thing, like it's definitely like been a struggle for him. It's a big part of like his book. Um, and it's mentioned a lot throughout his songs, you know, in the eighties going on. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get sober as early as you did. Um, and I think what I was saying earlier too, about kind of, um, chronicling some of the, some of the, some of the stuff that you don't know what to do with. Cause I do have, I do have DUIs and I do have, um, yeah, some, uh, stuff, some legal stuff, like went to jail, had one hospitalization and, um, yeah, just, you know, hurt a lot of, hurt a lot of friendships or relationships, whatever, like typical alcoholic stuff. But, uh, yeah, chronicling, I've got to do a little bit of chronicling of that stuff, like in my own, some of my own, uh, music stuff and it's cathartic. And then like, I remember, you know, you're like, for me, at least you're scared to release it. Cause you're like, people don't want to hear this. And like, I, you know, I'm like, I was saying earlier about like, I used to feel like I didn't, I didn't want people to think I was glorifying, like being a dirtbag, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody did, you know? And like, I don't feel that way when I listen to Zevon. I don't feel at all like he's talking about anything other than pain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even, even if he's doing it with a little bit of humor. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, he doesn't paint like a pretty picture of it, even no. if it's, if it's a good, if it's like a good sentence, it's still not like, if it feels like, damn, I could never write that. It's still not good, right. <laughs> you know? So, so it's hard to like glorify it, but I, I could definitely see someone wanting to live mirror his life because in a way it seems like an interesting movie to watch. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's tough. Cause like when you're, when you're a kid and you're experimenting with drugs or whatever, at least for me, like you latch on to people like, um, Hunter S Thompson, mm-hmm. who I, who I think do kind of maybe glorify it a little bit. I'm not, but like, that sounds like I'm not, uh, I'm not attacking Hunter. Like, I think he's hilarious. I like him a lot, but yeah, you know, I remember you latch on to certain people and think like, like if you, if you've already like abandoned yourself, like abandoned, uh, if you've already kind of said like, look, I, I, I want to be like an artistic person, maybe, maybe to the detriment of everything else in my life, uh, which you can do as a sober person, by the way. Um, yeah. you, you kind of start to, you, and you look up to too many people who are just like, you know, died in active addiction. You're just like, that's the way to do it, man. Like that's, that's part of it, you know? Yeah. And f- I mean, for me, I wanted to get sober because I literally couldn't work because I wanted to get fucked up and I didn't care about working, but then I would be sad that I wasn't working and getting fucked up obviously wasn't fulfilling me. 
but this is a really long way to say like for me it was important to have guys that I like to start to kind of sniff out like guys that I liked that were sober mm-hmm. and you you pretty quickly find out that like there's so many of them you know yeah um and I didn't know it about Zevon until I was already into his music but it was just like kind of was like just reaffirmed it was like yeah of course he is i mean it makes a lot of sense like like i said before like being being really really honest um not not self-deprecating but just honest about Mm -hmm. like your flaws and uh your past and then um yeah i don't know not 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 bullshitting. I don't know. He he doesn't like he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who who sits down to write a song with like like try like he's ever trying to write his like life's work or his magnum opus. You know what I mean? He just like yeah. goes for it and there's it it like it shows and there's so many good ones. Yeah, I mean I think with, like, thinking about what's kind of helped me with, like, my sobriety, um, like, relating it to, like, his music is it's just, like, the fight of it isn't over, like, when you got sober. You know, like, and in, in his music, it's a lot of, like, he was still a difficult person and, you know, put a lot of people through shit even though he was sober. Like, it was... I mean, in so many cases a a like a guy who doesn't drink an, an alcoholic who doesn't drink with 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 no support system is is worse than an alcoholic who just drinks you know what i mean well that's what that's what like i felt like it's like it's like i got sober young but then it took a long time to kind of figure out and still a hard journey that it's I'm I'm not really on the other side. It's just like you'll find things, you know. You'll find things that kind of like fit it, you know. Like and that that's like the hard part with you know sobriety or you know and, and kind of relating it to. And I'm supposing with with you, it's like you know. I feel like this is like turning into like an AA meeting, you know. But it's I do uh, it. I do it to every podcast. Fun. It's terrible. Yeah. I need. It's to I mean it's I'm fine. And, you know, it's like I'm not I'm not afraid of it. But, you know, I guess going back to, I guess, like, any of the songs on the record, like, it starts out amazing. Like, I was in the house when the house burned down. It's exactly. Like, exactly. You know. I, th- I think my, like I was saying, my friend Ella showed me this rec- showed me the, the last song on this record, which is Don't Let Us Get Sick. And then um, I was like, man, this fucking rules. So I just put the record on. Mm-hmm. And I, then I heard that song, and I was like, damn, dude. Like... Yeah. And uh Life Will Kill You is just as good. Porcelain Monkey like doesn't hit right away, but once you like kind of realize that he's just like pontiff like just kind of uh yeah, yeah, using like using late period Elvis as a muse mm-hmm. because he's like thinking about dying. Yeah. For my next trick I'll need a volunteer is amazing. Like so good. Yeah, it's also the sad and pathetic can also be funny, you know, and that of is course. what it's funny that 
in a way when you th- when you think about like that period of elvis like it's tr- pretty tragically funny you know um like that have you heard the elvis there's an elvis song where he's singing it's probably like in vegas or something and he just starts laughing no oh. I, i'm like not up on on elvis at all I, i'll have to send you a link to that like i would say that's because he just starts laughing in a way but then the band just keeps going and he cannot get his composure and he just can he just cannot like he's just and then basically they're the backup singers are just doing like and then he's just like but it's like this like i've lost it kind of laughing that's like i don't know like that song with him messing up is the best elvis song yeah, and I guess I guess it's like, yeah, I, it makes it makes me think of a lot of things. I have my I have I think I have some kind of ADD or something because I can never like. Anytime I see a movie, like I either need to watch it again or it takes me a really long time to process the themes in it. Like I feel like I don't digest movies the way that other people do, mm. but but it's more just kind of like what it what it what thoughts it evo- and feelings it evokes in you and like for me. Like even you just talking about that, um, that Elvis story, or like thinking about a movie like Raging Bull, or The Wrestler is like that corny ass idea that like there is no destination, right? Yeah, yeah. People that are like I guess religious or people that go to like QAnon stuff, it's like they feel <laughs> like there's this master plan, um, but then there's like this idea, and it warns Yvonne prescribes to it i feel like a lot of like no one is driving like there's that other theory where it's like no one is in control no one really knows so it's like i can't think of like a jfk conspiracy because i just don't think people think about things as much you know like i don't think there's some big master plan and so that kind of nihilism in a way is like freeing yeah and i mean there's like it's it's kind of like yeah it's kind of like the, the god is reality kind of thing um which is freeing like that can sound scary right because reality yeah. is cruel but it's also freeing because you get relieved of like it's it if you really like if you really metabolize that concept you realize that you're not like m- most anxiety and fear is just rooted in like the fact that you have a brain. Yeah. And and not act- and not like what the feelings are telling you, which is that there's a terrible consequence or that you are like on trial, you know. Yeah. For your life. I think we can find a lot of what you're saying in this in this record um like I, I also am like, I'm pretty aware that like, this might be one of your weirder episodes. Like you just said you did embrace with Pat Flynn last week. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like take most people who listen to that and show them this and they're going to be like, what the fuck are these dudes talking about? Well, I mean, to the context, there was an episode that I did with uh, Tim Crisp and we talked about a Bob Dylan record and mm-hmm. we got really heavy into... Uh, jfk conspiracy and we also talked about how john wesley harding is connected to um 
like YHWH is like the the, the kind of like Hebrew name of God. Mm-hmm. And so John Wesley Harding is like some weird thing where it's like a representation of God. So all that to say, sometimes we... <laughs> we go there on on this um so i so i don't feel too strange about like you know us going in pretty dark threads but um it's hard to talk about him without gushing because i mean so i have a friend who was um helping me he was transcribing i I was when quarantine first hit i wanted to learn i not learn, but uh, work on my piano skills. Mm-hmm. And the way I learn any instrument really is by playing along to songs that I like, you know? Um, at least that's what's worked for me up till now. So that's definitely what I like to do with piano. And I figured, well, now that I'm such a Warren Zevon fan, I mean, he was this incredible piano player. So I had him transcribe a few songs for me, and I sent him... Well, and, and then he was like, this shit sucks. <laughs> and I was like, fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> You're so... <laughs> so... That's the worst opinion I've ever heard. Like, you wouldn't know fucking good music if it hit you in the face, whatever. But I sent yeah. him play it all night long, and I was like, Don't, you can't tell me this song sucks. And he was like, look, it's a good song, but like the guy can't sing. And I was like, okay, well, I, who cares? Like... Who can sing? I don't like, know. Like, that's sometimes I mean, what I ask. Like, when people use the, this person can't sing, it's, uh, I, I mean, don't know, I, hope it, I mean, I, 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 I like a good voice, but I, I, I don't know. I don't care about that. You know what I, I don't, mean? I think there's so much character in uh, Warren Zevon's voice. Like There is. And, yeah, I mean, there's, and so many people that are, are renowned singers, like, I mean, Leonard Cohen, you know, it's like, or even like Johnny Cash, you know, it's like they have their thing they do. Well, and those you, guys sing so low that most people can't pick out uh, pitchiness in those frequencies, I bet. Yeah. But it's like, it's like Bob Dylan is not a good singer. No. Like, he's I annoying mean, I, as shit. I like, <laughs> I love Bob Dylan. I mean, but at this point, it's, uh, we don't need to talk about Bob Dylan. Because I have so many <laughs> so many feelings on him. But like, I, lo- uh, I, I mean, it's him. like you could continue on it forever. Like Neil Young, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. They, but they have these voices. But that's also the thing. Like someone could easily say, "This voice sucks," you know. And it's like when you're looking at it, and it's like, do you dissect everything that way? Like, what do you listen? Do you just listen to like Michael Bublé or something? Like, is that all? <laughs> yeah, you know, only the only the great Italian. Uh, yeah. sopranos or whatever <laughs> whatever he is <laughs> um yeah it was like what harry connick jr he's a really good singer you know yeah like frank what, <laughs> dean martin what it's but then even there i'm like frank sinatra is not a good singer like he's essentially it's not talking. about it's it's about um what's the what's the word what does frank sinatra have he has a character yeah character yeah well, what, I think where I was going with that yeah. was, um, you know, like Warren Zevon, like on the surface, 
if you're just like, if you just throw it on, most people don't like listen to what the words are when you just throw mm-hmm. something on, or or at least they don't listen very closely. I don't always, but for Warren, I don't Zeron, always it's, either. It's, it's hard. It's hard not to. With it is, but but if you're not, you could be like, what is this fucking goofy dad music? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that's why it's hard not to to gush about him because once it hits you. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I get it. And then you feel like, at least for me, like I feel, I kind of feel like I want to protect my Warren Zevon fandom. So like, I don't, I don't even want to listen to it with someone who's not going to get it. Cause I'm going to be like, shut up, man. Like you're getting, yeah. I, I can't think of a good analogy for, I think, I feel like I do this with a lot of music, but um, yeah, I mean. That being said, I don't think I don't think the, the music is bad. He plays with great musicians, and again, he's an amazing piano player. And some yeah. of like Desperados Under the Eaves is like a crazy composition. Yeah, because I tried to learn that one on piano, and I was like, "Yeah, we'll we'll get to this later." <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I don't know all the parts it kind of goes through, but I'm pretty sure it might have a coda. You know, like it's that, <laughs> it's that kind of song. You know. Yeah, I think it does. Um, <laughs> yeah, like it's like I don't, you know, it 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 has everything in that that song. Um, I guess like not even to purposely just go back to, uh, life will kill you. But when I think even like, uh, I want to be right on what song it is, but I believe I'll slow you down has that. That's like. Yeah, yeah, dude, that song fucking rules, man. It rules, but the first time I heard it, because I don't think I must have just not really paid attention in the same way when I heard this record before. I was like, this song's annoying. And then the second time through, I was like, no, this is my favorite song on the record. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it can. I think think that some of his shit has that effect, you know, and like it's almost like you think of like. Uh, what's that? They might be giants or like, right? Does they might be giants has a lot of like they do a lot of like. They'll just like make songs in whatever genre and stuff. Yeah, they. I mean, they, it's essentially they write like children's songs, but for adults that are still children. <laughs> okay, and I'm not a fan, but I but I imagine because I've heard people talk about them like they are. Mm-hmm. Yo, oh. Yeah, people that like They Might Be Giants talk about them the same way we're talking about Warren Zevon. That's what I'm saying. Essentially, the place I was working last year, um, I put it on like in in the restaurant, and uh, this other kid, punk kid, just like D-beat punk kid, just started like bopping when I put on like, They Might Be Giants, was just like pogoing to it, you know? Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny when somebody who's like that in and I don't know who you're who you're referring to and yeah. I'm not making a comment on them, but somebody who's like that in uniform. Mm-hmm. Cause to me, like, yeah, I mean, we all know that certain subgenres in punk have uniforms. And uh especially of the like the like crust or D beat or like just I only like UK hardcore from nineteen eighty two variety. It's like they pretty, I mean, to me, like the the presentation is like I don't like anything else. 
more often than not they do. you can you can usually catch them though and i think that's what's almost like kind of endearing when i usually when i see people that dress like that and alex if you're listening i'm not making fun of you <laughs> i love you a lot um but sometimes i think the first time i met alex um it's like you know it's just like just like the, it, you're the, exactly what you're talking about it's like you think that but there are a lot of other types of groups that we could easily do that so i guess i'm only covering my bases of alex is listening but you know there's certain things where it's like they're not they're not known for their sense of humor in that way outwardly and i guess you know that's always a uh preconceived notion or um a prejudice i guess if we want to use a more serious word but a lot of times it's true (laughs) you know so it but so it is funny i'm agreeing with you like and then even like you know a lot of hardcore kids like you know XL t-shirt wearing people um they they come across that way too but you put on the right album and they're like 14 again yeah i feel like for a lot of those kids you just put on the right pop punk album and they're 14 (laughs) again but it's you know it still does it to them (laughs) yeah you just put on like uh some 41 and they're just like freaking out you know um I, the, it, you just reminded me of, of a story about the milestone and I, I wonder if it's even the same dude, but, um, I just want to tell it cause it's funny. It's not, it's, uh, it has nothing to do with anything really except, well, it kind of has to do with what we were just talking about, but there, we played a show at the milestone. You were doing sound and, uh, there was this dude there, younger dude, and he had on, uh, Fred Perry tucked into his pants with suspenders and doc Mm. martens and a shaved head and he came up and he was like i really liked your set and i was like thanks a lot man and we started talking about music and he was like yeah i'm really into oi and i was like yeah i can tell (laughs) (laughs) and then i felt like such an asshole for saying that but it's like how was i not gonna say yeah and I thought it was so cool that he came up and like was like that was fucking awesome because I was like you look like you came here in the time machine yeah <laughs> you know what I mean yeah was that that probably wasn't the same dude no not the same guy um yeah um but I mean that's great um I mean it is like that kid was probably cool a way also. I dress that people that kid. would that kid was cool yeah there's probably a way i dress that i'm just not even thinking about it that if someone sees me they they're gonna think a certain thing about me you know so that's really what we're saying and it is funny when people go against that right right (laughs) so um i mean the jump from db to to they might be giants is is like funny but it's not it's it's to me it's unexpected but if you think about it it's like it's both they're both nerdy things yeah yeah those all of those kids, like even like any black metal guy, yeah. is the hugest nerd. And if you can find that in them, I love it. I love to find those things about people that just break down that thing. Like, I mean, you've played Milestone enough. Uh, he's probably done Moss. That's done. He's all. He has like. He looks like a pirate. Um, but there's certain things like. It might even be they might be giants, but there's certain things like I can put on old country and he just like breaks apart, yeah. you know, like the shell just comes off. Like, it's like, you're just tickling him. And yeah. that is just the, my favorite thing. Yeah. You know? same. <laughs> yeah. Just to kind of see that. And I, I think like sometimes even people being like Warren Zevon fans, like discovering that about them is 
like a great thing it's like just that exterior falls off and it's you know you don't see it with a lot of people outwardly you well know. i know uh you and i are are mutually friends with gray gordon yeah um and i know he loves warren zevon and i uh i must have just been listening to him one day and uh had been talking to gray and i I just reached out and I was like, do you, you know this song, this Warren Zevon song? I th- I'm sure it was played all night long, mm-hmm. of course. And uh, he was like, no, I, I don't know that one. And I was like, have you listened to to this record or whatever? And he's like, I just know life will kill you. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> and I mean, he, I mean, he likes a lot of different kinds of music. He likes, yeah. and he knows more. He just, his, he's just consumed, somehow consumed more music than, almost anyone else that I'm that's close to me in my life. I don't know how he does it, but to me, the fact that he's really only listened to this record and that makes him love Warren Zevon is like, for me, it's like, yeah, that's a testament to how good this record is, you know? Yeah. And it really did bring me, bring me into like full fandom as well. Mm-hmm. I would say. Cause it made, it made me realize like, it, this guy didn't just have one great record in the 70s, like like uh, Little Feet. You know, I love mm-hmm. Little Feet, but I really only like that one record. Um, Zivon's like, he's an artist that where you have to look at every little detail because he's so, he's just so, um, I guess, unique. And like, I don't know, like we were saying, like you, you, even on his bad records, you find you find these gems. Yeah, and I think yeah, he, he he. It's like he couldn't help it. He couldn't help being the kind of the kind of writer that he was. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's uh, there's just so much. So like, there's a lot of artists like him, but I think a lot of people do probably think like he had Excitable Boy, and then fell off but it's like it's really not true it also kind of makes you think about artists that people go oh well that person fell off and it's like their fall off point is still better than you know most anything you know for for a lot of artists that we could kind of plug into that same thing so it's like it makes me kind of like reevaluate like the idea of like one hit wonders or people that people say that they had one good album you know i think you could like go on that you know, that ride forever, you know? I mean, I'm guilty of it. Um, yeah, whether, totally. whether I'm sure there's some cases where, where it's justified and other cases where I haven't given the later material a, a close enough look. But I mean, if we went through every band that I like, there's going to be like a pretty fat percentage of them where I only like the first record or I only like mm-hmm. the first two records or like there's a falling off point for me. And that's, I was actually going to say that, like, and Zevon reminds me of Leonard Cohen in this way, too, because it's like, um, you know, Leonard Cohen has some stuff that loses me. And um, and with Bob Dylan, certainly, too. Yeah. Like, he loses you at a certain point. Um, yeah. Different conversation, but the fact that, like, and I like a lot of <clears throat> 80s Leonard Cohen stuff and whatever, but... You know, even if you, even if I only liked 
songs from a room or one of you know his self whatever the one with famous blue raincoat on it, the first record or whatever even if i only liked the classic leonard cohen stuff but then like you give me um you want it darker and then you die it's like hey man you didn't fall off. That's better than falling off. Cause like you brought it, yeah. you brought it home at the end. And like, I'm not saying that either of them brought it home at the end. It's just kind of to me when I hear excitable boy. And then I know I like vaguely know that this guy had a music career. And then the second album I get into came out in the year 2000. It's like, it's almost like I was like, this is supposed to be bad. Yeah, it should be. You're, bad. you're supposed to be old and out of touch. Yeah. But you just can't help being this, like, irreplaceable songwriter, you know? Like, no one can, no one else can do this. And you, and it doesn't matter that it's the year 2000. Like, these are still, you know... This could easily have been, like, uh, the new Van... Like, what the new Van Morrison record is. <laughs> like, like yeah. this could have easily been his like heel turn to whatever the fuck in the year 2000, you know, that would have just been like, what the fuck? But it's like still really, really in touch. The, I mean, the only, a trick I always like playing on this podcast is like, if you could cut one song from this record, what would it be? Dirty Little Religion. I think I would keep it and I think I would cut Hostage Joe if I had to. I can I can I can get down with that. Yeah. Um just because it's like I don't know I get I get what he's talking about in the song but just that it's like he's really trying to he thought of that term and he it's like he thought of that term and he wrote a song around it which I think he does a lot and to great effect a lot of times. <laughs> I love that he does that. Yeah. But this I, is one of those I things want, I want to do that. I I cannot do that. <laughs> I cannot do that. <laughs> I, I think it's such a cool way to write songs. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that because I wanted to talk about that concept as well, but go on. No, it's just like, I think this is one of those times. For me personally, I think it's not done as well as he's done so well, many Well, it's times. a little on the nose. Is that, what, yeah. is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't bother me, but I hear you. But sometimes it's like he does things that are so on the nose and he still sells it. So it's like there's so many examples where he wins there. But this, I just don't feel like this is 100% of that time. Hostage O is not a standout song. No. Um, I really like, you know, some of the lines in it. The the verses. Um, what, I'll put on the creepy mask if you grant me some forgetfulness. Yeah. That's really good, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, that that's that sounds like something that a grandpa would say. But like, you know, my grandpa is like a very sweet. He just he just doesn't have that cynicism. And like, I love a cynical old man. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. And uh, yeah, I get I still get that a little bit from Hostage Joe. Um Dirty, dirty little religion just feels. I don't even know. I just don't like that song. Yeah. Should we it, it talk about like, it? <laughs> it's like I don't know if it's like kind of a horny song or like it is, I dude. It's a pervy it, song. It's pervy. It, it, yeah, it's pervy as shit. Uh, but I feel yeah, like I the like hook it. of it is good. Like, dude, but this, it's, no, the song bangs. Like you, you like want to dance and shit. Yeah. 
feel like is why you're like we should keep that one because hostage is like kind of a bummer but yeah no, i mean i know you explained it more in depth than that but yeah, yeah. just like and he sings the chorus so many times and i'm just like ew <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry um, i don't know why yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. yeah I, well but then even when you go into like he has a couple songs where um throughout his career where they're covers but i feel like it's like you're hearing it for the first time and i think i never knew i didn't know that this was a cover first i know i mean i've known the for steve winwood song yeah and i've listened to the i've listened to the steve winwood version like within the last like couple years and i was so like, just to be clear we've we've moved on to back in the high life again Yes, Back in the High Life Again. So the song after Dirty Little, Little Religion. So Back in the High Life Again, personally, I I just didn't know it was a cover uh, when I first heard it. Yeah, well, you know, people will say, and I'm a little worried because we literally just, I just came from doing this Fugazi cover, and I was like, I hope I didn't just do a fucking Guy Picciotto impression. But, you know, a good cover is, like, somebody who takes the song and makes it their own, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a cliche, right? I mean, people say that. I, I think what's crazy about it, though, is, like... I think I've he heard, does that. He does, but he does it in a way, and I think this this is the way to do it, and it's always not possible, but there are times where I feel like when people are doing a cover and they want to make it their own so bad that they start, like, kind of fucking with the things they that are it. good... Totally. You know, but it's like they're not far away. Like when you listen to it's like it's following all the same things, but it's just like this ownership. Well, I mean, an example of the you could think of a million, but like I don't know why I stumbled on this because I so seldom listen to Green Day uh, as an adult. Um, and I'm not I'm not knocking Green Day. Uh, I loved Green Day when I was a kid, and I still like those records, but I, I just came... I just... This is a really long way of saying I came across... Um, I think I just wanted to listen to the song A New England by Billy Bragg, mm-hmm. so I typed it into Spotify, and Green and there was a Green Day cover of it, so I was like, oh, I gotta hear that. And I put it on, and it's just like this really polished... You know, You know how their stuff sounds now. It's like... yeah polished and it has like generally it doesn't have uh i guess any soul to mm-hmm. my ears behind it and it was just like who need we don't need this like yeah. you re- this yeah it didn't it the song the song is a pop song but and if it came out that way if if a new england came out in the year 2005 and it was a green day song and they did it on a huge studio budget then it would be a great pop song but yeah we don't need a polished version cuz the billy bragg version is like it's just it's just a a great song with some added charm that he's like palm muting on his electric guitar by himself you know what i mean um the, have you heard Warren Zevon's cover of Raspberry Beret, the Prince song? I don't think I have, honestly. It's another song where it feels like this could be this guy's song. Oh, I think all his covers are. He does yeah. a cover of a Serge Gainsbourg song, and it's the same, the same feeling. Yeah, and even knock. Like, how can someone take ownership on knocking on heaven's door? Like, make it feel. <laughs> he does. 
Yeah, it's Speaking wild. of covers, there's some great Play It All Night Long covers. Uh, Not to keep coming back to that song, but... Uh, do you think like a 20-year-old could fall in love with Warren Zevon now? Depends on the 20-year-old. I mean, I, I'm... My whole... I think my whole attempt to run like social media for taking meds is me just like swinging and usually missing at like what people that age are going to be into or find funny. Mm -hmm. Um, But occasionally I'll hit, I don't understand people who are 10 years younger than me. So I'll just, I'll just double down and make myself sound 10 years older than you, but (laughs) I, I, uh, yeah, man. I mean, I meet kids at, at shows like that's the cool thing about about touring is like every every city has like a kid or two at least that's at a show that is like just a music vacuum Mm -hmm. like they just they've listened to like i talk to kids who are 20 or whatever and i'll be like wow you listen you i didn't know any of that stuff when i was 20 and you've already consumed all of it yeah and they're different than me but um I don't think that uh I don't think Warren Zevon could have the kind of revival that like you know I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example. Uh like Echo and the Bunny Men or like something like that. Some something like Yeah, or like New Order, I guess. You know what I mean? Same kind of what you like say? new order the cure new order great example yeah. yeah something from the something from the 80s that kind of like has this timelessness to it mm-hmm. especially for like people who are into you know guitar based subculture music yeah so yeah like zivon's not going to have like something like that yeah. Definitely not. Where like everyone starts wearing Warren Zevon t-shirts and shit. I, I don't think, I think he was cool to, like, I think he stopped being cool, right? Like yeah. he was, he's cool in a classic rock kind of way or like a set, like kind of distinctly seventies rock kind of way, even though he was playing with the Everly brothers and shit before, way before that. I mean, he's a classic rock dude, but yeah. like, so yeah, it's it's one of those things where you kind of have to have like that. I don't know. You just like it has to click for you, and you have to to want to explore that much music, and then you know really value. I think the kind of the kind of things that me and you value that we get out of Zevon, like the fact that he can write these like really succinct catchy songs that that have yeah i don't know the lyrics and the delivery they they do something for you yeah i think i it's like i wonder if sort of like trying to introduce uh let's say someone that's 20 or even up to 25 it feels like i would be introducing them to traveling wheelberries or something you know like that's what they would probably see it as like i wonder if they would see it as anything different well, the other thing that's interesting about this is like, because again, like I think about this sometimes when I when I talk to 
you know, friends of mine who are that age or people that I meet on tour or at shows that are that age. And, and when they're, you know, they're listening to like all the same stuff as me, or they, you know, we can talk about, uh, the Grateful Dead, or we can talk about Mm -hmm. something from that time. And it's like, really as like time marches on, like rock and roll has only been around for so long, but like you put in more space in between like the beginning of these conversations and now. Right. So like, are people going to eventually, cause like, I don't know, fuck all about classical music, you know, like a short of, short of how it's made its way into like some history and, and that I've heard about on podcasts. Like I don't look into it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So are people eventually just going to let go? of classic rock altogether. Sometimes I wonder that. Yeah. So far, it does not seem like it. But I think in a way, like... Because the internet, I think, puts everything on steroids, too. Yeah, it it could be... In this case, it could be good if people do what they do with classical music, because it's like, I don't know if something happened in 1701 or 1887, you know, with classical music. So it's like, sure, I don't know... So it's like, it's almost like because of the internet. But even jazz, I mean, even jazz, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anything about jazz, you know? Yeah. So it's, but that could be good because it could just kind of shorten the time frame. We think it's so far, but to someone that's like 22, there's no difference. So they could discover it just kind of like, it's just all in a pot to them. I see what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what I'm hoping, at least. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, we could talk about this forever because at a certain point, everything, I mean, there's more recorded music now than than ever. So now, like, everything is getting recorded. So people are probably going to start discovering things that, like, didn't really see the light of day like they did but nobody paid attention to them that are awesome that probably you know came out this year and we won't hear about it for 10 15 years you know what i mean yeah that's a different different conversation altogether but yeah like we were saying he is an oddball for um a podcast that's predominantly going to be listened to by uh people from the punk scene but um or various punk scenes. But, uh, you know, not really any more than Bob Dylan. So Yeah, yeah I don't think so. No. Uh, so I guess, like, uh, before, before I let you go, I guess just to kind of... Taking Mads released an EP, uh, was it last year? Mm-hmm. Um, and you also released an album last year, mm-hmm. Growing Stone. Yep. Um, and... You released a new EP, was it this year, with Highway Sniper? Yep. Okay. Uh, and, uh, or do you have plans? Released a split with, uh, released a 7-inch with Who Decides in January as well. Oh, uh, yes, another, yeah. Another hardcore band that mm. I'm doing. Do you have plans for other releases this year that you can talk about yet? Yeah. Um, this will be the first anyone hears of it, but that's okay. The Taking Meds album is going to be out this year um late fall or i guess probably yeah late fall late fall and i'm talking Mm -hmm. late um 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can't say. I don't really know. But it'll be out this <laughs> year. Uh, we finished it last year, and we just kind of sat on it because we weren't sure what, how things were going to shake out with COVID. But I just sent the Masters in, like, last week, uh, the final Masters. So it's, it's a, an LP. We did it with Kurt Ballou. Um, awesome. Yeah, and uh, Growing Stone, I'm not sure. I'm still working on... I think I got like seven or eight songs. I'm going to do another LP for that. The Growing Stone LPs are shipping finally. Um, and who decides might put a record out this year? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I, I had a really, like, I put out a lot of stuff last year. And I, like, I don't want to, like, treat myself like I have to, like, keep up with that and then get stressed out about it. You know what I mean? So Yeah. I've kind of been more chill this year already than I would have needed to be if I wanted to put out five more things this year. But yeah, <laughs> that that the taking meds record will be hopefully will be uh, rewarding for yeah. you know for all of us to to put out because yeah I don't know yeah. Well, I mean, I'm excited to hear it when it comes out later this year, and I'll send you a, I'll send you a private link. Oh, please do. Yeah. Uh, do you think we covered it all with Warren Zevon? I think so. I mean, there's so much to talk <laughs> about. Uh, if if anybody gets really into him because of this podcast, that's great. And uh, that that uh, sleep when I'm dead book is. Is really cool if you become a fan. Highly recommend it. Yeah. 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 And if people are selling Warren's Yvonne shirts, please let both of us know. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my God. I don't even... <laughs> I, I don't know if I've ever seen... Man, I've probably seen a vintage one on online. Um, but they bootleg. There's some good bootlegs. I've never, I've yeah. never uh, ponied up and bought one, but I have the, uh, the back cover, or, or I think it's the... Yeah, yeah. Is it the back cover art? I think it's the back cover art of um, Excitable Boy is like the gun on the plate on the plate yeah. of vegetables. Mm-hmm. I have that like framed in my apartment and it's the background of my phone and it's the background of my computer. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I, so. I don't know. I love him, but I love that image so much. It's like it does a lot for me. I don't, you know what? Yeah. I don't think we even scratched the surface of war. No, we didn't scratch the surface. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it makes me feel this thing that I can't describe, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I think just for the sake of, I know we'll go, we could go like another hour or two. Yeah. Let's, um, I think we'll just cut it. Yeah. I do appreciate you taking the time to talk with me about it. I love Warren's Yvonne. And it's awesome to even scratch the service with, you know, someone that loves them too. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad we, I'm glad we did Zivon. Yeah. It was definitely more up, even if it's going to still be uh, a bummer to some people, Sparkle Horse would have been so much more of a bummer. It's like, yeah, (laughs) I know. I know. I think that's part of the reason I reached out to you because He's he's so mysterious, you know. That would have been tricky. <laughs> um, yeah, and it would have been more of a bummer. Yeah, yeah. We'll cut it there because uh, now I want to <laughs> now I want to talk about Sparkle. <laughs>
course. <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks again to Skylar for coming on the pod. Keep an eye out for the new Taking Meds album this year. And listen to Warren Zevon and read I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. Okay. Next week we're chatting with my longtime friend Slade Baird about Frank Black's 1996 album Cult of Ray. What's interesting is this isn't an album most people would you know talk about when they're talking about Frank Black. So, with that in mind, I had to talk about this record and listen to it for the first time because something that's often kind of viewed as like a dollar bin ripper, I'll say, it's really interesting to kind of recontextualize and think about it, you know, like if it kind of holds up just outside of the time frame that it was released. I'd say it does, but we'll get into that more next week. Slade plays in a band called Amigo, which is an awesome rootsy Americana rock and roll band in Charlotte. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod, especially this week. Thank you for your patience with any of the technical difficulties. I think we did a really good job editing around it. So thanks again to Sarah for that. And also thanks to Pretty Maddie for the theme. Please check us out on Patreon. Leave us a review wherever you do that. It's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. And just simply tell a friend. Well, anyway, see you next week. <laughs>